0: You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. December 1944. The Allied forces were completely surrounded by the enemy during one of the biggest and bloodiest battles of World War II called the Siege of Bastogne. Now, this is one of many fights that took place during the very famous Battle of the Bulge. And Nazi Germany had all but achieved victory, and yet the U.S. troops, they never gave up, and never lost sight of their mission, even when it seemed impossible. In fact, German General von Lutwitz sent over a detailed description of how dire the situation was, and he demanded the U.S. troops surrender. And I love uh, General McAuliffe's a response to that. He sent back a note to the German general with one word on it he said, nuts. And uh, McAuliffe just had this incredible resolve for hope. He wouldn't give in, he would never lose That's what he told his men. He said, Men, we are surrounded by the enemy. Never before has there been so great an opportunity presented to an army. We can attack from any direction. <laughs> And of course, they would go on to win that battle with the help of General George Patton. And within the next year, Nazi Germany was defeated. World War II was ended and hope moved on. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is hope? What is I think hope is looking straight into the face of the enemy in defiance and not giving up. It's not throwing in the towel, even when everything around you seems hopeless, even when you cannot see your way out. It's looking at the impossible with a holy optimism and knowing that your victory and your battle has ultimately already been won in the hope of the cross through Jesus Christ. You know, in the words of Hall of Fame boxer, James Corbett, it's fighting one more round. In the words of Pastor John. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. You see, hope is a patient waiting and trusting in something or someone with an eager expectation. And as we just saw from these incredible videos, did you guys enjoy the video telling of the gospel narrative here? So cool. Yeah, go ahead and give a hand to our media team, uh, Patrick, and that was William's deep voice, kind of sounding like a, a movie narrator there. And we're so grateful to the video resources available for churches everywhere. But just as we saw in these videos and just as we sang in these Christmas hymns, the Bible is wrought with hope. In fact, the entire Old Testament is built on the hope of a Savior that one day God would send somebody to come and redeem mankind, to right every wrong, and to bring order and peace to the chaos. Generation upon generation had looked with hope to a time where the Son of God would reconcile the earth from sin. You had prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah who would point toward the coming of Christ. And sure enough, That hope was met with the promise. Over 300 prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Thousands of years of waiting, hoping, trusting. And then, through the Virgin Mary in the manger at Bethlehem, hope became flesh and blood. I love how the message version puts it. God moved in. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 say this. But when the right time came, God sent his son, Born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him, why? To buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children at the very right time. Listen, hope is not just a fleeting feeling that comes and goes with our emotions. It is a force that never stops. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus, thousand years removed from the story of the manger at Bethlehem? And is it just me or does it feel like we're kind of living in some hopeless times, right? Is it just me or can we be honest this morning? You know, 2021 has felt like a wild ride, right? I mean, 2020, you guys can talk back to me too. That's okay. I'm I'm, I'm not going to be offended if you just shout out at me, depending on what it is that you shout out. But. Uh, 2021 has been kind of a wild ride, right? I mean, 2020, it was what it was, and none of us had ever seen anything like that in our lifetime. But to me, 2021 is 10 times harder because we are still trying to figure out life as we know it. We're still trying to find a new normal if normal even exists. And here's what I know with the word new in front of normal, new has uncertainty tied to it. We can't be sure of much these days. Oh, but we can. Because if there was ever a time where we needed hope, where we needed to live with a hope that was certain, now is it. Here's what I want to let you know. If you follow after Jesus Christ, you call yourself a Christ follower, a Christian. For a little Christ, right? If you follow Jesus Christ, I want to let you know you have hope today. It may not feel like it, but you have hope. And if you're still trying to figure this Jesus thing out, you're not quite sure if if Jesus is for you. I want to let you know you can find hope. Or maybe you find yourself in a third category today where one point you followed Jesus, but now you're just, maybe you've had a crisis of faith and you're not really sure where you stand on everything. You feel like it's hard to reconcile the Bible with what's going on in our culture today, and I want to let you know, you too can discover. Regardless of which three categories that you find yourself in, I want to let you know that we all need to be reminded that there's hope. We all need to be reminded. Why? Because we tend to remember what we need to forget, and we tend to forget what we need to remember. And over and over throughout Scripture, Jesus tells his people to remember. So I want you to remember hope. You know, the story of Christmas is proof that God sees good on his promises. In his timing, in his will, He always comes through on his promises. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look at the story. The series is called The Story because it's the greatest story that's ever been told. How the gospel starts at the manger scene and how in this season, we're actually reminded of who we are. Because there is a lot of identity. If you're in Christ and this is Christmas, this is an identity type of story. Isn't it interesting that there are these epic holidays that we have here in our country that celebrate Big heroes, and it kind of reminds us of who they were, a little bit of our story. You know, we have President's Day in February, and that celebrates the birthday of George Washington. George Washington, of course, is the founding father of the United States. And then, of course, in January, we're celebrating Martin Luther King Day, the father of the civil rights movement. But let me tell you, Christmas is the ultimate birthday holiday celebration. Why? Because it's the most epic birthday in all of history. All of time hinges on this one moment at the manger. You have B.C., before Christ, and A.D. that we're living in now, the year of our... Where does it all hinge? It hinges on this story when the Son of God put on flesh and blood. So during this series, I'm gonna share how Jesus came to give us peace and joy. And the name Emmanuel, which means God with us, Jesus came to open up the very presence of God, which up until the time of Christ, the Holy Spirit only descended upon certain people at certain times for certain purposes. But Jesus would open up the presence of God, and right after the Gospels, we have the Spirit comes for all people. So how our identity is in the presence, the peace, and the joy. But today I really want to lean into this theory that Jesus is hope. And I want to prove that theory as we go through Scripture. So if you're taking notes, we've got uh, some connection cards on the table. Feel free to write notes. We also have on your Connect tables, if you want to find out more about House Church, there's a House Church graphic on there. You can sc- scan that QR code. As well as, and we just got these made up. I'm pretty excited about this because I'm a big mag- Fridge is just littered with magnets. So we've got fridge magnets that actually tell you how we gather here at Bridges, Nashville, as a house church movement, we get together here at the first Sunday of every month, and on the third Sunday, we have our worship night, and the second and fourth weeks alternate with house church. So that fridge magnet, you put it up on your fridge every time you go to get a glass of milk or grab sandwich stuff out of the fridge, you're gonna find out how we gather here at Bridges. Pretty cool. All right, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Believe Believe in hope. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. for God, listen to this, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Am I preaching to anybody today? God can be trusted to keep his promise. AW. Tozer, pastor and theologian, said, "The most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think of God. The most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think of God. So do you believe? that he's a God of hope. See, if you believe that God is for you and not against you, as it says in Romans 8, then you know he's a God of hope. If you believe that all things work together for the good of those called according to his plans and purposes, you know he's a God of hope. If you believe that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus and that there is no condemnation for those who are, then you know he's a God of hope. But just to be sure, Paul spells it out in Romans 15. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, not just with a little bit, but overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have it spelled out. God is a God of hope. So my question is, do you believe it? Because your belief will impact the way you pray, the way you talk, the way you act, and the way you think. Sarah and I were really big fans of Ted Lasso. Any Ted Lasso fans in the house? Oh, okay, all right, we're in good company here. And Ted Lasso is just a feel-good show. If you don't know about the show, he's a failed college football coach here in the United States, but then he moves to England to basically coach this team that everybody's given up on. But Paul is an, or Ted is a, he's an eternal optimist. Like Everybody he comes into contact with, he just instills hope in them. And I love what he does to the, the team. Everybody who's downcast, he just breathes life into them. In fact, in their locker room, doorpost that just says the word, believe. And every time the team leaves the locker room and goes out onto the field, they jump up and slap that to remember that they have to believe. Listen, faith is trusting and believing in what we cannot see with our eyes, but what we know is true in our hearts. The world would tell us that seeing is believing, but scripture would tell us that believing is seeing. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And right now it can seem if we just live by what we see and what we hear with our ears. Am I right? It can seem a little discouraging. I mean, the news feeds off of fear. Social media feeds off of your anxieties and insecurities. And every time you turn on one of those channels, you feel like, man, where is hope? Our eyes can lead our spirits into anxiety, depression, and despair. Or we can make the choice daily to let our spirits lead our and the rest of our lives to seeing what's not just on the surface level. God is working. He is moving. The gospel is still good news. Is anybody hearing me today? God is on the move, as William so eloquently said in that video. Now, when you read the Bible, it's really easy to see the common ground that we have, even though this is thousands of years ago. Every time I open up the Bible, God opens his mouth. And every time I open the Word of God, I honestly find a lot of commonality in what we're experiencing in our culture right now. The more I read Scripture, the more I'm convinced that we are not the first people group to ever struggle. We are not the first group of people to ever wrestle with reality and how we read it in the Scripture. If you go back to the Old Testament, before the birth of Christ, this is in that B.C. era, You have the Israelites, and they were actually uh, living in exiles, living as exiles in Babylon when Jeremiah comes onto the scene. Jeremiah is a very young prophet, and God gives him a message for his people. And I'm going to read this verse, and I guarantee you, you've heard this verse many, many times. You've probably seen it on posters, billboards, bulletin boards, T-shirts, hats. But I want you to think about it a little differently this morning. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. We read, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. Interesting how hope and future are paired together here. Now, this is an amazing verse, and I the stickers and all of that. But you have to always read scripture in context. Because the verse right before this, he basically says there's gonna be 70 years more of this exile. Wait, what? 70 years and you just told me? Like, that doesn't compute, right? Because we want hope and we want it now. But here's the deal. God knew exactly what he was telling Jeremiah to tell his people. Context is everything. And when you understand this verse in context, we read that Jeremiah was speaking in the midst of hardship and suffering, people who were praying for immediate rescue. But God's plan and his response wasn't to provide escape but it was rather to meet them in the middle of the mess. God promises that he has a plan to prosper them in the midst of their struggle. So today, if you're in the midst of a struggle, you can believe in hope because you can know that God has a plan and he can work through that plan to prosper you in a future, amen? So number one, believe in hope. Number two, look for hope. If you're taking notes, write that down. Look for hope. Now, you've heard the old adage, and a lot of employers will use this with their employees. Look, if you're looking for an excuse, you'll always find one, right? Let me flip that on his head. If you're looking for hope, you will always find it. What do I mean? I'll ask you another question this morning. What lens are you looking at the world through? Funny, a few years ago, my my beautiful nine-year-old daughter, uh, Nora, when she was about six, Uh, she just wanted a pair of glasses. I don't know if she had seen somebody on TV or maybe her aunt had some glasses. She she really wanted a pair of glasses, and at the same time, she wanted to be a librarian. Now, it's not a prerequisite that librarians wear glasses, but uh, for some reason, that was kind of how she paired that together. So we looked for a non-prescription pair of glasses to give her so that she could just live out this fashion statement. And Nora, you made it look good, okay? But how many of you have put on a pair of glasses that had the wrong prescription? It's impossible to see, and you'll wind up with a headache. So what prescription glasses are you looking at the world through today? Because if you live with a worldview that has hope at the center, you're going to see hope around every corner. Now listen to me carefully. I, I, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to wear a cheesy hat that says hope dealer, and and, and you know, I'm not going to try to minimize your... I'm not going to try to... And I'm not gonna try to belittle the circumstances that you're walking through because all of us are walking through a battle whether we know it or not. But I will speak life into that situation. I believe in the hope of Jesus. And I'll always point to him because I've seen how he's worked in my life. And let me tell you, Jesus is the answer for every cultural issue, for every political battle, every mental struggle with anxiety and depression, every storm. Jesus is the answer. Hebrews 6.19, the writer tells us this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. When you find yourself in a storm, you could choose to either look at the wind and the waves, or you can choose to look and see that you have an anchor that's holding you, firm and secure in the midst of that storm. Following Jesus is the solution to a thousand problems, my friends. So look for hope. Gary Chapman, author of The Five Love Languages, and he shares that in every marriage, there's about 80% of things that are going right, and then there's about 20% of things that need a little bit of work. But he said the differences in the marriages that last versus the ones that don't is what they focus on. If you celebrate the 80%, you know, man, we got this. But if you're always complaining and focused on that 20%, look out. What lens are you looking at the world through? Look for hope and you'll always find it. Number three, bring hope. Bring hope. I was recently reading about Louis Pasteur, an incredible 19th century scientist in France and discovered so many amazing things. But listen, when he discovered the vaccine for rabies in 1885, did he keep it to himself? No, he saved many lives by telling the world about it and offering that cure to those who had been infected. Let me tell you, hope is a cure. Jesus is a cure. As I said before, Jesus is the solution. Everything we face in life can be adjusted, can be fixed, can be solved. How? Uh, By more discipleship to Jesus Christ. Can I say that again? Everything we face in this life can be overcome with more discipleship to Jesus Christ. The gospel isn't just the message of hope, it's the good news. I love it when the angels show up to the shepherds and say, hey, we've, we've come to bring you glad tidings and great joy. It's true today. John 10, verse 10. Probably the quintessential gospel verse, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So that's what you get when you follow after Jesus. So be somebody who operates with hope and bring that to every person, every room, every situation you come into contact with this season and every season. I love this phrase that my friend Heidi Scanlon uses. She says, in the opposite spirit. Now let me unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? Well, if you find yourself surrounded by hopelessness and others seem downcast around you, operate in the opposite spirit. Be filled with hope. Be hope. Bring hope. Bring unity into a room where there is much division. Bring love where there's fear. Be peacemakers where you feel anxiety. Offer community to those who are stuck in isolation. Be the change. You are the heat of Jesus Christ. We are members of the body of Christ. Think about that. When we walk into a room, are we thermometers that take the temperature or are we thermostats that set it? we are his people and we live with hope psalm 71 verse 14 and i close with this the psalmist writes as for me i will always have hope i will praise you more and more make the change. hope and how do you do that number 1 you believe in hope number 2 you look for hope and number 3 you bring his hope. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.